Chapter 27 of the World's Famous Orations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Vina. The World's Famous Orations, Volume 1, by Various. Chapter 27. Dinarchus. Against Demosthenes. 324 B.C. Born in Corinth in 361 B.C., died in 291. Conspicuous as an orator after the great masters had passed away. Three only of his orations have survived. Thus your minister, Athenians, who hath pronounced sentence of death on himself, should he be convicted of receiving anything from Harpalus. This very man hath been clearly convicted of accepting bribes from those whom in former times he affected to oppose with so much zeal. As Stratocles hath spoken largely on this subject, as many articles of accusation have been anticipated, as the council of Areopagus hath made a report on this inquiry so consonant to equity and truth, a report confirmed and enforced by Stratocles, who hath produced the decrees enacted against these crimes, it remains that we who are now to speak, who are engaged in a cause of more importance than ever came before this state, should request the whole assembly, first, that we obtain your pardon if we should repeat some things already urged. For here our purpose is not to abuse your patience, but to inflame your indignation, and secondly, that you may not give up the general rights and laws of the community, or exchange the general welfare for the speeches of the accused. You see that in this assembly it is Demosthenes that is tried. In all other places your own trial is depending. On you men turn their eyes and wait with eagerness to see how far the interests of your country will engage your care, whether you are to take on yourselves the corruption and iniquity of these men, or whether you are to manifest to the world a just resentment against those who are bribed to betray the state. And although the dignity and propriety of this procedure have received the approbation of the people, Demosthenes has recourse to complaints, to appeals, to malicious accusations, now that he finds himself convicted of receiving twenty talents of gold. Shall then this council, on whose faith and justice we rely, even in the important case of premeditated murder, to whom we commit the vengeance due to this crime, who have an absolute power over the persons and lives of our citizens, who can punish every violation of our laws, either by exile or by death. 
shall this counsel, I say, on an inquiry into a case of bribery, at once lose all its authority? Yes, for the Areopagus hath reported falsely of Demosthenes. Extravagant and absurd. What? Report falsely of Demosthenes and Demades, against whom even the truth seems scarcely to be declared with safety? You, who have in former times moved that this council should take cognizance of public affairs, and have applauded their reports, you, whom this whole city hath not been able to restrain within the bounds of justice, hath the council reported falsely against you? Why then did you declare to the people that you were ready to submit to death, if condemned by the report of this council? Why have you availed yourself of their authority to take off so many of our citizens? Or whither shall we have recourse? To whom shall we entrust the detection of secret villainy? If you, notwithstanding all your affected regard to our popular government, are to dissolve this council, to whose protection our lives have been entrusted, to whose protection our liberty and our constitution have oftentimes been entrusted, by whose protection that person of thine hath been preserved. For, as you pretend, it hath frequently been attempted, to utter these calumnies against them, to whose care we have committed our secret archives, on which the very being of our state depends. Has then Greece but slight but common injuries to urge against Demosthenes and his sordid avarice? Hath the man so highly criminal the least pretense to mercy? Do not his late and former offences call for the severest punishment? The world will hear the sentence you are this day to pronounce. The eyes of all men are fixed on you, impatient to learn the fate of so notorious a delinquent. You are they who, for crimes infinitely less heinous than his, have heavily and inexorably inflicted punishments on many. Menon was by you condemned to death for having subjected a free youth of Pallene to his servile offices. Themistius, the Amphidnaean, who had abused a Rhodian woman that performed on the harp in the Eleusinian ceremonies, was by you condemned to death. The same sentence you pronounced on Euthymachus for prostituting a maiden of Olynthus. And now hath this traitor furnished all the tents of the barbarians with the children and wives of the Thebans. A city of our neighbors and our allies hath been torn from the very heart of Greece. The plower and the sower now traverse the city of the Thebans, who united with us in the war against Philip. I say, the plower and the sower traverse their habitations, nor hath this hardened wretch discovered the least remorse at the calamities of a people to whom he was sent as our ambassador, with whom he lived, conversed, and enjoyed all that hospitality could confer, 
whom he pretends to have himself gained to our alliance, whom he frequently visited in their prosperity, but basely betrayed in their distress. From the moment that he first began to direct our affairs, hath any one instance of good fortune attended us? Hath not all Greece, and not this state alone, been plunged in dangers, calamities, and disgrace? Many were the fair occasions which occurred to favor his administration, and all these occasions, of such moment to our interests, did he neglect. When any friend to his country, any useful citizen, attempted to do us service, so far was this leader, who is impatient to boast of his great actions, from cooperating with such men, that he instantly infected them with the contagion of his unhappy conduct. Is it not scandalous, Athenians, that your opinion of the guilt of Demosthenes should depend only on our representations? Do you not know that he is a corrupted traitor, a public robber, false to his friends, and a disgrace to the state? What decrees, what laws have not been made subservient to his gain? There are men in this tribunal who were of the three hundred when he proposed the law relative to our triarchs. Inform those who stand near you how, for a bribe of three talents, he altered and new-modeled this law in every assembly. And, just as he was, feed, inserted, or erased clauses. Say in the name of heaven, Think ye, O men of Athens, that he gained nothing by his decree which gave Diphilus the honors of public maintenance and a statue? Was he not paid for obtaining the freedom of our city to Chiriphilus and Phidon and Pamphilus and Philip, and such mean persons as Epigenes and Conon? Was it for nothing he procured brazen statues to Berisades and Satyrus and Gorgippus, those detested tyrants, from whom he annually receives a thousand bushels of corn, although he is ready to lament the distresses of his fortune? Was it for nothing he made Taurosthenes an Athenian citizen, who enslaved his countrymen, and together with his brother Callias, betrayed all Eubea to Philip, whom our laws forbid to appear in Athens on pain of suffering the punishment of those who return from exile. Such a man, this friend to our constitution, enrolled among our citizens. These and many other instances in which he hath prostituted our honors can be proved by authentic evidence. And could he, who gladly descended to small gains, resist the temptation of so great a sum as twenty talents? To what cause, Athenians, is the prosperity or the calamity of a state to be ascribed? To none so eminently as to its ministers and generals. Turn your eyes to the state of Thebes, it subsisted once, 
It was once great. It had its soldiers and commanders. There was a time, our elder citizens declare it, and on their authority I speak, when Pelopidas led the sacred band, when Epaminondas and his colleagues commanded the army. Then did the Thebans gain the victory at Lenetra. Then did they pierce into the territories of Lacedaemon, before deemed inaccessible. Then did they achieve many and noble deeds. The Messenians they reinstated in their city after a dispersion of four hundred years. To the Arcadians they gave freedom and independence, while the world viewed their illustrious conduct with applause. On the other hand, at what time did they act ignobly, unworthy of their native magnanimity, when Timaleus called himself Philip's friend and was corrupted by his gold, when the traitor Phoxenus led the mercenary forces collected for the expedition to Amphissa, when Theagenes, wretched and corrupt like this man, was made commander of their band, then did these three men confound and utterly destroy the affairs of that state and of all Greece. So indisputably true it is that leaders are the great cause of all the good and all the evil that can attend a community. We see this in the instance of our own state. Reflect and say at what time was this city great and eminent in Greece, worthy of our ancestors and of their illustrious action. When Conon, as our ancient citizens inform us, gained the naval victory at Nidos, when Iphiarates cut off the detachment of the Lacedaemonians, when Chabrias defeated the Spartan fleet at Naxos, when Timotheus triumphed in the sea fight near Corsira, then, Athenians, then it was that the Lacedaemonians, whose wise and faithful leaders, whose adherence to their ancient institutions had rendered them illustrious, were reduced so low as to appear before us like abject supplicants and implore for mercy. Our state, which they had subverted by means of those who then conducted our affairs, once more became the sovereign of Greece. And no wonder, when the men now mentioned were our generals, and Archinus and Cephalus our ministers. For what is the great security of every state and nation? Good generals and able ministers. Let this be duly and attentively considered, and let us no longer suffer by the corrupt and wretched conduct of Demosthenes. Let it not be imagined that we shall ever want good men and faithful counsellors. With all the generous severity of our ancestors, let us exterminate the man whose bribery, whose treason, are evidently detected, who could not resist the temptation of gold, who hath involved his country in calamities the most grievous. Let us destroy this pest of Greece. Let not his contagion infect our city. Then 
may we hope for some change of fortune, then may we expect that our affairs will flourish. And now, my fellow citizens, consider how you are to act. The people have returned to you an information of a crime lately committed. Demosthenes stands first before you to suffer the punishment denounced against all whom this information condemns. We have explained his guilt with an unbiased attention to the laws. Will you then discover a total disregard of all these offenses? Will you, when entrusted with so important a decision, invalidate the judgment of the people, of the Areopagus, of all mankind? Will you take on yourselves the guilt of these men, or will you give the world an example of that detestation in which this state holds traitors and hirelings that oppose our interests for a bribe? This entirely depends on you. Despising, then, the entreaties, the false artifices of this man, let justice and integrity be your only objects. Consider the good of your country, not that of Demosthenes. This is the part of honest, upright judges. And should any man rise to plead in favor of Demosthenes, consider that such a man if not involved in the same guilt, is at least disaffected to the state, as he would screen those from justice who have been bribed to betray its interests, as he would subvert the authority of the Areopagus on which our lives depend, and confound and destroy all our laws and institutions. End of chapter 27 End of the World's Famous Orations, Volume 1, by Various.